Welcome to Model Minority Moms, where we talk about the meaning of success in career, family, and life. We are Jeanette Park, Kate Wong, and Susan Liu, Harvard classmates and Asian American working moms who get real about the pressures of fitting in while standing out. Greetings, greetings, and this is the last episode of Model Minority Moms, and are, are we breaking up? Am I break? Are we breaking up with the audience? Are we breaking up with each other? Are we still We're saying not. goodbye? Are we saying goodbye? We're breaking up. <laughs> I don't think we're breaking up, but the show is ending. You could call it an indefinite hiatus, but you know I'm a J, so I like things open or closed, and I, I think this chapter is closing. And uh, yeah, this is our final episode. Surprise! Yeah. Oh my God. Surprise. Well, I was about to say it's a, and then I was like, it's a what? It's a goodbye. You know, it's very interesting. We started this podcast two years ago at the height of the pandemic pre-vaccine, right? That was right. Yep. Yeah. Pre-vaccine. I think so. Yes. Right. And, and we've gotten to use this space to vent, reflect, grow for me. And so it's been a really wonderful experience. And and I remember as we were talking about, like, should we keep going? Should we not? In a way, it seems like this is actually a good stopping point for us because now, you know, when we look out there, it, it, it's almost like the before times again. I know some folks are immunocompromised and so the pandemic really isn't over for them. But for me as a mom, it, it you know, the schedules are full again. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm I'm moving at lightning speed again. I feel like back to the juggle of the career and the kid and the life and the self-care. And like, it was, it was really hard for me to keep maintaining with the podcast, right. In terms of like also keeping this as a priority, because for me, I feel like I'm quote unquote back on. And it's kind of crazy. Cause it's like, I had my kid March, 2020. Right. So that was pandemic. And so I'm like trying to have like this old life of me pre baby, but then with the baby, you know? And so it's just kind of like this new, this crunch for time and management of self that is just like, it's like all feeling like a lot. It's feeling like a lot. I mean, I, I'm curious, like for you two, if you want to share, like what, what prompted our goodbye? Yeah. I mean, I think to provide some transparency, we had a little bit of a pre-discussion prior to recording. And not to say, I mean, I think always doing a project like this between like multiple people, there's always going to be some interpersonal things, which I think we're still processing through. There's not like a huge thing, but also not really ready to share in great detail on the podcast, nor do I necessarily feel like that's needed. But, you know, I, I think the headline is like, we found a great audience who we love connecting with. I think we felt really gratified by that for a long time. I think that we all came to a point where we felt like if we want to reach more people, and I think we did have an ambition to do that, we realized the time and effort that we needed to put into it. We just couldn't make it work for each of us in terms of the other priorities in our lives. And so I think we kind of looked at it and said, okay, do we want to kind of continue as is indefinitely, stop, or can we all put in more time? And, and I think option C was off the table. And then when we looked at like option A versus option B, like, do we want to keep on going as is or stop? I think the fact of the matter is this show, even though it is lighter production effort than many other mediums like video or something, it's still a significant amount of time for us to get together, decide, you know, do the topic, like record, edit, produce, publish, you know, all the management of that. And I think we all felt like, okay, well, if we don't have a path to continue growing, then, then I think just in the context of everything else going on for us, we came to the difficult decision that, you know, we should probably stop, you know, this is like kind of a good wrap up point for us. So it is really sad though. I mean, it was a really hard decision I think for all of us, I could speak personally for myself, it was a hard decision because I feel like the conversations we were having were difficult to find elsewhere. I think we were representing a voice that's really, yeah, not really out there in the media that much, right? In terms of a realistic view of motherhood, but also what it's like to be a working mom and an Asian American, a minority. And so 
I really appreciate all the conversations we were having. I think we produced some really great content. I'm proud of what we did. And I think a lot of the, there was like definitely an audience that responded to what we were doing, but I think also we couldn't see a path forward and that's sad in a way, but I think it also is good to make the decision, you know, in a way that made sense for each of us. And so that's where we landed. Yeah. I, hey, Janet, I really want to acknowledge you as our momager for doing so much of that work of like editing and publishing and making it happen. Like you, I would say you were the anchor of this project and I want to thank you for all your hard work. Oh yeah. And I thank you for your appreciation. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think I also learned a ton through the experience. I've always had this side of me that loves these types of discussions. And I think some some interest in being like some kind of public intellectual of some type. I've definitely always had a penchant for bringing up difficult subjects. <laughs> she sure does. <laughs> and I think this podcast was my first real public forum since college to to explore that. And so it's given me like a better sense of where I might want to take that interest. And and then also like given me some room to because I have a lot of fears wrapped up in that too. So like just feeling like, oh, well, what is it like to have more of my ideas and voice out in the world, you know, even if it's on a relatively small platform. So that's all just to say, I definitely was excited. I'm glad that we did it. And so, yes, while it was a lot of work and there's like all the dynamics around that, like ultimately, you know, I did it because I wanted to, you know, for the two years that we did. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I got to say, whenever we got those notes on Instagram or email from different listeners about what it meant to them, those notes would energize me for the rest of the day. Like, I felt like in our small corner of the world, we meant something, you know, and that there was like a, a sisterhood around the world, like feeling closer to themselves and as a community. And I just like, I just love those notes. Those were so beautiful. Kate, how are you feeling about our goodbye? You know, I think some things that both you and Jeanette said, I was thinking a lot about over the last couple of weeks. And I realized there's a sort of like a, a beauty in uh, us being a different voice in this space. But I think the uniqueness of who we are also, I think, contributed to, you know, us having to end this because I think like, so I was talking to a friend of mine who has a top like 1% podcast. And I asked him, <laughs> how did you, you know, how do you have time? Like, how do you guys make it work in the early days. And he said, oh, I would edit on the weekends. And he was like, but you're a mom. Like, I'm guessing you don't have that much time. And it got me thinking, you know, Jeanette took up a lot of the tasks that are very onerous and, you know, and we did outsource some things, but like, we also have kids, right? And I think it's something that our perspective is unique because we have kids and we're moms and, you know, we have, we have these struggles, but those are the, the same things that I think that made it really difficult for us to continue forward, especially after things are opening up, right? Even just if you only do recording, it still takes up so much time, right? Even if we weren't, you know, I, I didn't have to do what Jeanette did, but, you know, that's still our time. And like when you have kids, especially sick kids. I mean, come on, if you have young kids, this winter was like the winter of death. Like maybe we had all of two weeks where, you know, neither of my kids were sick and it's the same with you guys, right? Just really rough. And even with all of our privilege, you know, so I can't imagine like the moms and dads who, or other caregivers who don't have that support. It's just been a really hard time, you know? So I, I think I want to really acknowledge that for the three of us, but also even for our listeners, it's really hard doing shit as a, <laughs> as a parent, as a mom. But I also think like the other thing that I realized is that, you know, we are so open about our mental health and our struggles. And I realized that since we stopped recording, a lot of the extra time that I've had has been a lot. And like a lot of the things that I hadn't prioritized because of our podcast, like spending time with my husband or like, you know, taking a nap because my daughter only slept in one hour increments the night before, or many of these other things that we tell other moms, our listeners to prioritize, I hadn't been doing for myself. And I was like, wow, what a wake up call, you know? And so I just want to say there are a lot of things mixed up in this. It's, it's, it's a beautiful mess, but, and I, I and I want to say all this so that our listeners can understand because, you know, our listeners are basically us, right? But, and, and so I think that, you know, that's, that's just as how it is when you're a mom, shit gets hard. And sometimes you just got to be like, I, I have to rethink things. And those aren't easy decisions, you know? So I think that's where I am. I feel sad because I really enjoyed our process, but also a sense of relief in that 
wow, I like have time to, you know, focus on some of the, the, these things that have been really on the back burner, but really should be on the front burner, you know? And I think it, it, it's, it's just not an easy decision. And I also learned so much, you know, from our podcast, I, I, I pretty much, I think, listened to almost every one of our episodes after we recorded it. And I think just even for me as a, you know, co-host listening to them, I, I learn a lot from each of you, but even from myself, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, what did I say that? I wonder why I said that. And so, yeah, I think it's an, it's a bag of mixed feelings, but that's life, right? You, there's good stuff and there's like not good stuff. And you kind of have to learn to push the needle along. And sometimes those decisions are really hard, but yeah. And to echo Susan's sentiments about getting those, you know, the, the, the reader mail, it is really great. Like those are some of the the best moments I've had in a year that's been really, really hard. And so really want to thank all of our listeners for reaching out. You know, that makes like, I think a lot of the things that we've been through really meaningful. Oh yeah. 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 I've also been thinking about that. I mean, just both in terms of like how motherhood and just parenthood and all the unspoken hardness of that is like such a widespread experience, but you know, just the people who are going through it have like the least time to share it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, that is why this whole experience just feels so ignored and so hidden, right? Because the people going through it, like we have no time to actually share it. And um, so that's, that's one thing that I totally agree with. And I think the other thing that I've been thinking about is when you are a working parent, you know, you have like realistically speaking, right? Let's just put it out on the table between doing minimum self-care, like minimum exercise, minimum like showering, you know, and laundry and food and all the things that you feel like you have to do while your kid is in care, even if you have full-time care, right? Like the hours just get so precious, right? Because pre-kids, you just don't realize you have much more time. And so the cost of an additional hour per week of doing something, you, you don't even think about it the same way after you have kids. After you have kids, like, oh, wow, I have actually 35 hours to do something other than self-care, childcare, home care. And like every hour that's taken away from that is really felt, right? And so so that's just to say, I, I hear you, you know, in terms of you start feeling like you have to prioritize much more strictly. And then some of these decisions do end up being pretty hard. But but that's also something that I feel like I'm trying to grow in, just prioritization and being more clear about my priorities, right? Even if those decisions can be hard, and this was definitely a harder one. Yeah. I'm sitting here feeling, I love the camaraderie have, like when we've, when all of our screens, you know, have our faces on it, it like my heart feels warm, but I'm kind of sitting here with a lot of guilt. Hmm. Yeah. Why? Oh, I just look back and I go like, because, you know, Jeanette, you were like, that's in, we have certain goals for the growth and we're not hitting it. So, you know, like at the end of the day, it's like time is money. And if how fast are we going to grow? You know, we're not big enough to have ads. You know, where are we going with this? And I feel like, oh, I feel guilty. Like, could I have done more, you know, like, but I also knew and I had set expectations initially, like, hey, everybody, I'm in this book process. And my life is so up and down, like according to deadlines. And it's like been such an emotional process to write my memoir that I had to kind of crawl into a cave most of the times, you know, to, mm. and it was just like, I felt bad because I'd be like, guys, I'm on a deadline right now. So I'm, like, I'm disappearing again. Or like, I, I just had like no energy to do the marketing for the podcast. And I just feel bad because I know that's part of my skill set. And I, but I like, I couldn't devote it to this project. And I feel like, I feel guilty about it. But then it's like going back to the priorities. Like in December, I went to the ER twice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Susan's that you should feel a lot of, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't and... think you should feel guilty. And I think in general, as a mom, I've been trying to move away from the feeling of guilt and just trying to look at more like the facts, right? Like, the fact is you're doing a huge undertaking writing this book. That should be your priority, right? And I think your body is clearly telling you there's too much stressors in your life. And I think that's it, full stop. And I think that that's something I've been trying to apply to my own life too, because I definitely have this tendency to feel start feeling bad. Like, why, why can't I do more? 
So I'm, I'm not discounting like this idea of stretching or will, but I kind of weigh like the, the, the systems part of it more now, right? Which is like, what is the structure and system that I'm working in? And is this sustainable? Like you can only be a hero a limited number of times in a month, right? I think like I used to stretch myself a lot more before kids, but then, but then you would take the toll somewhere, right? You take the toll yeah. somewhere. Either yeah. I have to sleep all weekend or I would be snappish with Jake and the people around me or whatever, right? Or I would, but you have to take the toll somewhere. And when you have kids, for me at least, and God bless the people who whose dynamics are not like this because I think that's awesome. But for me, it comes out when I am with the kids. That is always like my alarm to say, Jeanette, you need to go take care of yourself, right? You need to look at your time demands and figure out what you can deprioritize. Because for me, it's not okay to start being snappish with the kids and taking, it's kind of like making them bear the brunt of my choices. And so I, so that's all just to say, like, I think, of course, like some of these conversations are difficult, but I don't, I hope you don't feel any way like that, um, that I or we are adding on guilt to you because I just think like we all struggle with that so much already. And I think if you look at the facts of the matter, there's a very good reason why you feel that way, you know? And so don't feel like extra guilt. Don't feel bad for doing something that's like not really reasonable, you know? Mm. Yeah. Especially for our listeners who, when we tell them, Hey, don't, you know, try to step out of these unhealthy patterns of self-blame or feeling that we didn't do enough. I mean, a lot of this is, I think, heritage from our families, how we were raised, but also mom stuff that just moms constantly feel like we're just not up to snuff with this or that. And, you know, it's interesting because Nerv initially was like, oh, encourage me to do the podcast. But after actually we decided we would just stop, he was like, well, you know, he's like, I sometimes thought about asking you maybe if you really <laughs> should be doing it because he's like, I thought you should be, you know, maybe nap. or like, he's like, you've been forgetting a lot of things. Like, you know, cause I was saying, oh, I totally forgot this thing. And he's like, see, I've been trying to tell you, you like, don't, he's like, after you started having kids, it's like my brain has like cheese hole, like Swiss cheese has like holes in it. And we've actually gotten to arguments because I claim that I haven't forgotten something, but I clearly have. And so he just started telling me all these things that he felt like, you know, he was concerned about, but he was like, you know, you're very stubborn. If I tell you to, you know, maybe you shouldn't do the podcast, you definitely won't listen to me. And so, you know, even there, I feel like I, I'm just not very good at telling myself like when I should stop something. And so in a way, I'm kind of grateful that we like had to, you know, like, because if you made me make the decision, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, no, we should like, you know, keep doing it because because I'd be like, oh, well, I can make, you know, this or that. I'd always make some excuse. Right. But not really face up to the situation that for me mentally and also like physically, I just need to like take a step back and, and and deal with all these other things that have been going on, you know, in the background. And so, yeah, Susan, I think you really also just shouldn't blame yourself for anything, even though that's our first impulse. I think just life is already hard enough as a mom. And then the pandemic, I think has been extremely difficult for, I would say women who have a professional identity, any woman, I mean, many women, but like before, because when I think of the you know, what I've had to really, what's been really hard for me is that before like COVID, I was traveling for work, traveling everywhere. And then like, you know, like Susan had my first kid right before lockdown. And then we had two kids. And then now like, you know, things have mostly opened up and I'm just really struggling to rethink about who am I? Like, what is my identity now that I'm no longer being forced to stay at home? I could go places, but like, you know, what does that look like? And what should I do? And it, it, it feels really hard. It's like we went into this artificial, like you're being a mom, but then you're being forced into an even more of an artificial, like little bubble with COVID. And, and I think a lot of parents are probably struggling with that, especially those who had kids during COVID. Like, who are we? What, what do we do? What do we do with these kids? That's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I feel like almost opening up has been harder than being locked down because we didn't really have too much as many choices, right? Being locked down. But now that you have lots of choices, it feels very overwhelming. And I think it's definitely affected my mental health, right? In terms of thinking about 
a lot of these things. Susan, you alluded to that earlier too. Yeah. So please try to relieve yourself of the guilt, any guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's like a natural life to things too. And sometimes it's like, well, if things end, that means, is there failure associated with it? Like what, you know, that's where I went to the, how am I at fault? You know, that's my, mm-hmm. I, I think my child thing is like, I'm in trouble and mm-hmm. I did something wrong. Like that's where I like naturally go to first. Like it's always my fault. And so that, that came out with this, but I, you know, I, I feel like when I was younger, and had less responsibility and way more time. It was very hard for me to to understand what my priorities were because I thought everything was a priority. Everything is urgent. And I think like after I went to the ER twice in December and the whole story's in the preface of my memoir coming out in February, by the way, February, 2024, I finished it, is I started realizing, oh my God, it's like I am the top priority and my health and my mental health, right? And then it's like, then it's my child. I mean, it's kind of your child first, but like, I really need to do take care of me so I can take care of the child. And if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I had such severe abdominal pain. I couldn't stand or walk or move for hours. And, and I went to the OB and the GI and the nutritionist and the acupuncture. And like, at one point, my healthcare was taking up a lot of time to manage, you know, and I was like, this is my priority because if I can't move, I can't, I can't be on a podcast. (laughs) Like I can't do anything. And all of a sudden it just became so clear because the GI guy was like, I think most of this is stress. What's, what's stress that's movable in your life. And then all of a sudden it's like, I, and was I texting you when I was in the ambulance or no, I was texting both of you when I was in the the ER at Swedish in hallway nine. And I was just like sitting there going like all of a sudden, like priorities were like really freaking clear. It was so clear. Like when you don't have your health, like all of a sudden, like everything falls apart. But it's like, I guess my my health collapsing a bit and then also going back into deadline mode, it was like, and then it's like, we made the decision like, hey, like the podcast has run its course. In a way, it's like you guys gave me permission to also let go. You know, like I think I was holding on for a bit because I was like, we can't make this work. And we would have all these strategy sessions on like, okay, how could it grow? What could it expand to? And then after a while, it was just like, wait a minute. I'm actually physically exhausted by all these other things. Like it's so tempting to like keep something alive or like to somehow achieve with it. But at the same time, it's like, it's such a relief to get permission to end. And so I want to thank you for that because I, I don't think I would have had the stomach to do it myself, like without us, like kind of like getting really honest about like, hey, things aren't working. I'm I'm on a nonprofit board and the CEO I work with, she always says, bless and release, bless and release. And a line that has really surfaced from my memoir that I didn't really think was, I, I there was this one key line that I was like, when we feel, we heal. And I was like, these are going to be on tote bags everywhere. And actually it's no, I was stuffing it into the book and, and I'm working with my editor on it and how we're going to work. And it was like, that's not the line that actually organically is working in the book. It's the line that's working that is like so sincere to like all of Susan as on her hero's journey, all her problems is Mawadi, which is let it go. Mm. And it's something that my dad used to say about like me asking questions about my mom. He was just like, let it go, let it go. And I was like, oh, it made me so angry. Like I felt like it was coming from a place of denial to not tell me information. And I was like, that's, I don't think that's Buddhist. You know, I don't think that's the way to, to resolve this. But I've gotten to a place where I see the beauty in that phrase, like the contentment and the peace that comes with accepting and also letting go. You know, like there's, there's, I see it as a beautiful line now, but it took me like a long time to get there. And so part of wrapping up with this podcast, I'm like, oh, like, where can I see the richness in its life that it did have? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a season for interrogating things and there's a season for acceptance. It takes some wisdom to know like, 
how to move from one to the other. And I think that if we had continued, I would have loved to do an episode titled something like, what does success mean to us? But, you know, I think I have also been thinking about that a lot more. It's been like a year and a half since I left my last corporate job where everybody understands what I do. In addition to the podcast, I worked on a startup that was basically obsoleted by the the release of ChatGPT. And so now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's next for me? But but also just trying to think about, okay, how do I define success for myself, right? And I think that this is also tied in with like Harvard, because I do think that graduating from certain institutions sets up this expectation and this clear definition for what success should look like for you. Right. And I think that having pursued that for a long, a long time or having gone down that track of trying to check off this boxes of what was laid out as success for me wasn't really working for me, was causing a lot of burnout and unhappiness. But then the, the thing is, like, what's the alternative? Right. Like what what is the what is my definition of success and how am I going to find my path and motivate myself through this next stage? Right. And so when I'm totally honest about it, of course, I would have loved to, you know, make our podcast huge and build this media juggernaut and sell to whoever, whoever. I mean, that would have all been also great in its own way. But but I honestly feel no regret about having done this. Like, I really enjoyed the whole experience. I loved connecting to our listeners and feeling like we gave a voice to some stories that were totally like people were not hearing, acknowledged and validated. And so, no, it's like, what what does success mean? I met my obligations to my family and I got to do this thing. And to me, that is, that is success. That, that is a source of satisfaction for me. Yeah. But, but I would have, if we had continued maybe someday in some other form, you know, it's just like this idea of like, what is success? And I'll also just put in a quick plug here. I've been watching this Wall Street Journal interview with Nancy Pelosi, who you know, you whatever you think about her politics, I think she's a very interesting and, and in many ways like an inspiring person. She had five kids in six years and then she started her she she actually I don't think she worked outside the home until she was like forty four when she ran for her congressional seat. You know, so she's been in Congress for 40 years, but her career didn't start until she was forty four and her youngest was like in high school. She was talking about just needing to know your why. Right. And she was like, I was a housewife for 20 years because I knew my why and my why was were my children. And then after that, my why was like, you know, fighting for the same opportunities for other kids that my kids could have in America. And that was my why, you know, and so I. So that's like very, you know, separate from like external validation of what other people might think of a success. So, you know, I, I think I'm still kind of going through my own journey of like figuring out my why and why why for this season but 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 yeah I mean that would have been so like in our wheelhouse right of podcast topics I like how you're using the word season a lot now that's fun yeah because I I just I do feel like I'm in this season and even like mini seasons right now I'm I decided I need to take some time and just do a massive spring cleaning of our house because we literally have boxes that are unopened from our move from Boston to Seattle like three and a half years ago, right? Also getting to a point where I can't ask my kids to put things away because there's no designated place for a lot of things. You know mm. what I mean? There's no system. So I'm doing that and it, and it's that season. It's a season for like going through your shit, right? Um, and then there will be another season where you worry about that less and you're just like, cracking eggs and making omelets and, you know, metaphorically speaking, as in you're making more of a mess because you're breaking new ground, right? Mm -hmm. But right now it's a season to clean things up, I feel, and kind of reset. So yeah, I think it's, it's also part of that acceptance, just understanding that you can't do everything at once. And there's times in your life where certain things will be more important. Well, I also like that word because it just doesn't mean everything's forever. Nothing is forever. Yeah. But sometimes when we when I make a decision, I'm like, ah, oh, it's forever. Or it feels like so much is at stake. But really, it's like there's just phases for things. And yeah. So, Jeanette, what's next after spring cleaning for you? Like, what are you just like in it? You said you're just here to discover your why right now. Is there anything else that listeners should be wanting to know about you? Yeah, um, I think I do have a passion around empowering women and 
parents in particular, I think it's connected to a lot of threats in my life where I just, I, I have an ideological belief that having women represented in, in the corporate world and in, in all spheres of leadership is important. But right now, even though at earlier ages, we're outperforming men academically and in many dimensions, you know, so you see the numbers, once you have kids, it's like, we're totally underrepresented in upper management and all of that. And I think a lot of that is because for for women and for men, but arguably for more women, having a family is also very important, right? And so I'm kind of trying to think of like, is there something missing in the market, some kind of service or product I could provide that would be more of a total care package for women who want to have more time um, outside of the house to pursue some other line of work, right? And so I, I also feel like we treat our work outside the house in a more systematic way. Like we look at our needs and we look for resources to fill those needs. But when it comes to home, it's just like, it's just like a huge pile of stinking shit that's like all falls on us, right? And we just need to kind of muscle through it, right? Whereas I wonder if we could see a world where we think of our household work in a similar way, where we look at systems and resources and needs. And we also think, what are the things that we as parents must do ourselves, like in building our relationship with our kids, et cetera, but what are other things that we don't need to do ourselves necessarily, right? In order to do the important work of parenting. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is that, is that kind of like that Asian anti-service where, and of course this is, this brings into questions of who could afford this, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those are all very valid questions, all of which I probably won't be able to answer with any one thing. But I am thinking like, is there kind of a wraparound service for moms, like beginning from the time that they become parents, you know, with a postpartum service, like all the way to when their kids are more independent and are teenagers, right? And so all the things having to do with like, bottle washing, dishwashing, meal preparation, grocery shopping, you know, laundry. Is there a way we could provide a system and a service that really can delegate a lot of those things in a way that is high quality and timely? And so that's one thing I'm thinking about. It would probably launch here in Seattle. I have a website. It's called homehq.team. And uh, and then I, I'm also thinking about putting more published content out there in some fashion. I used to run a blog cut called acanary.com and probably will pick that up. Maybe might look at writing some books along these lines, but all of that is still very early. Exciting stuff. You're like, I'm just thinking about my why and go to this website. And I'm like, oh my God, Jeanette, you're so late. well. This is the last time. I mean, if you go to my website, you'll find articles that are really, really old. But but this is probably the last time that listeners will be able to hear our voices, right? At least through through this show. And so I think that Susan, we're gonna get to this, but I want to provide people a way to kind of keep track of what we're doing even after the show. So how can people stay in touch with you? So if you're interested in just getting updates on things I'm working on, you can follow me on Instagram at acanary0. So it's the letter A followed by canary like the bird followed by the number zero. You'll get to see what I'm up to personally as well as release of new content through my website and updates on other projects I'm working on, like homehq.team. So that's probably the best way to keep track through one channel. Awesome. Really excited. How about you, Kate? What's next for you? you know, I just had a existential discussion about this with a good girlfriend of mine, and you know, she's giving me some advice. I think, like Jeanette, one thing the podcast helped me crystallize is just what I what gives me the greatest sense of accomplishment in terms of what I do outside of my home life. And I think that's always been, whether it's through writing or my work, helping people think more different, think differently about things that they encounter in their lives by providing them, whether it's with more accurate information or just empowering them to feel confident in what they really want. And I think after becoming a mom, this is something that I feel even more strongly about because I feel like, you know, now that I've had two kids with my first 
child, I feel like I did made a lot of decisions that were very fear driven that I, I, I was marketed to and I accepted that. And I, I have this theory, maybe it's not a theory, maybe it's just really fact or I'm hallucinating, <laughs> but I, I do think that a large swath of modern day moms, especially, I think we, the corporate world that's selling us kid related things really markets out to take advantage of our fear, whether it's, or like my kid isn't smart enough, emotional health, all of these things. And we feel like products or services will just solve that for us. Right. And I really don't think so. I think that we need to retrench and think about who we are as individuals, like we moms as individuals heal our own issues first. Um, and like see through the crap basically that we get marketed to that we're being told, Oh, if you do this, then you'll be a better mom. They don't really say that, but it's like, and, and the worst thing is I think there are a lot of things that market themselves as like, we're the alternative to fear mongering things, but they're still fear mongering. And I just, I'm done with it. Like, I don't want to be a parent. I don't want to be a mom who parents out of fear, right? Whether it's my own or, you know, other corporate <laughs> brands, et cetera, telling me that. And I just don't think there's enough discussion around that. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's like, like my, my little hobby horse by pet, pro like, you know, what I'm really interested in delving more into these days. And I think the podcast really helped me focus on that. What I'm going to do with that. Oh, I don't know really yet. I mean, I used to have a Substack, which you can subscribe to. I mean, we'll post guys. I think we can all post like, you know, our websites and whatever, but I used to have a Substack called wonderful Kate Wong, where I would just, you know, basically tell it, you know, tell it like it is about various things related to parenthood and with recommendations and my own rants, but you know, maybe I'll pick that up again. I dropped that, <laughs> dropped that. I think when we started the podcast. So yeah. I love how different we are. It's best part about this. And yes, plus one. Am I up to? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I turned in the book. I turned in the book. We're going into copy editing right now. My publisher said I could have 20 pictures in the book. And so right now I'm like, it's such an interesting exercise to be like, define your life in 20 pictures that goes with the through line of the memoir, right? So I'm, I'm getting those pictures and captioning them right now. That's my task today. And a book is coming out February, 2024. And so there's just, it's, it's becoming real. I'll have like advanced copies this summer and I'll hold them in my hand. Hopefully my dream authors will blurb them and other celebrities. So, so part of me, what I'm doing next is, okay, there's book stuff. It's coming out February, 2024. And I was thinking like, it kind of would be cool to, I don't know if I'm really going to do this, but like have a sub stack of like 300 days to publishing. What does it really look like for me? And like, what am I working on? And what is this? I don't know, like kind of a behind the scenes about becoming a debut author. I'm tinkering with it. I'm not sure. Because what else am I doing? I So I'm kind of a free agent for the next 10 months. So I'm a producer for the Asian American Foundation for the, one of their big events happening in May in New York. And so I'm helping putting on an, an event with a whole bunch of cool VIPs, which is interesting. But one other project I'm doing is I'm really obsessed about children's books and and just children media. And so I will be in like a maybe... A recurring figure on this local kids TV show called Look, Listen, and Learn. It's like focused oh, is on that three. happening? Yeah. So I signed <laughs> up for all the recording dates. I was like, I, I was telling them, I was like, I'm really good at reading books, and they're like, okay. But usually they, if the book is about like Native Americans or, I don't know, like Taiwanese food or whatever, like it, the the reader will be reflective of the content. So it doesn't really work. They're like, can you cook? Can you like? do art. And I was, they were just like, can you do anything else? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so we'll see how, how that turns out. But I am in conversation with Seattle Public Library about doing a reading tour this summer with their more marginalized communities. And for, so the, for the show or for your book? No, no, no. Just reading cool. Oh, okay. books oh, for I the see, Seattle I Public Library. Yeah. I'll just like be on a road tour show, just like reading kids books. So I'm, I'm hopefully that will work out. Sorry. I have this like cough that's been going around. Okay. You want to hear my crazy idea? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love personal growth retreats. I love them. And I want to design one. And I wonder if anyone wants to come. And it's called um, Solo Show, The Multiverse of You. Because I'm a big everything everywhere all at once fan. 
And and I think that there's just different junctures where in your life where it could have gone this way or that way, right? And so say you had five different other lives that you could be living, what would they be? And and play one out. And so I'm thinking like a Friday to Sunday kind of thing. I think I'm going to maybe have one experiment like this summer or this fall. And I'm asking people like, how much would you pay for it? And like, would you do it? And Marvin is like helping me price out my time. Because he was like, wait, this is actually going to take you like a full month. He's like, this is going to take you 160 hours. And I was like, what? No, it's not. And then and then we started really doing the math. And I'm like, I hate you. You're right. <laughs> so I'm trying to like figure out like he's giving me design constraints of how much my time is worth and like how can I make it happen. So anyways, if you sign up for my mailing list on my website, susanliu.me, L-I-E-U.me, I'll, I'll push out a notice on it. So <laughs> I, I have it on my my whiteboard it was like the multiverse of you so would i don't this know. be like a writing workshop or like a self-development it's it's kind of both, both. it's kind of both okay yeah yeah so anyways i'm i'm still thinking about it but i can see it i'm really excited about it so yeah i want to make a personal growth workshop yeah so anyways a, a cool way to keep in touch is on my instagram i'm like slowly coming back out of social media so you can follow me at susan liu l-i-e-u but going on my website and getting on my newsletter newsletter is good because send them you'll get the pre-order link for my book and hopefully i'll go on a book tour to a city near you yeah awesome do we want to wrap by i've got an i've got an okay. inside thought okay yeah is it related to the show or is it about itchy pants Oh my God. Well, okay. At first you were talking about omelets and I was like, oh, I want to know your key ingredients for your most interesting, Ooh. delicious omelet. And then I was like, no, Susan, come on. This is a closure episode. Like we should do it. Like maybe like, cause I know that a lot of moms who are thinking about motherhood listen to this podcast and then current con, you know, moms also listen to the podcast. So I was like, oh, like, do you have your words of wisdom for people that are aspiring, thinking about it, debating becoming a mom? And also for your other mamas out there, like what you want to tell them, you know, just like your, I don't know if it's words of wisdom, but it's just like, you know, my sisterhood offering to you for, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Okay. I think something that I've been thinking about and I feel like more women, parents, need to hear is what you are doing as a mom all the grunt work that's unseen and unacknowledged and uncompensated for you know holding your kid's hand making sure they don't run out into the street like watching that stupid kid show with them you know playing imaginary play like cleaning up after them making sure that they get some fruit or vegetable in them today you know checking on their poops like cleaning up the spilled milk you know, thinking about what is next for their developmental thing, you know, figuring out what's going on in their school and with their friends, like all the things that moms and parents think about that. I don't know if it's just me, but but I don't think I'm the only one sometimes feels like there's like a sense of it where I feel gaslighted because I feel like it's so important, but it doesn't seem important in the scheme of the world. That is really important. It is really important. You know, I think apparently in the, I think it's from the Talmud. It's a Jewish saying, like, by changing one person's life, you change the world. I really think that that's true for moms. I think we tend to, it's it's very tempting to devalue what we do as moms and what we do for our families and kids. But I think I just want to say and just proclaim that that's really important work. It's important not only for your family, but for society. And and I just want to validate every person doing that work out there to say that that is really important. And it's it's really appreciated, even if it's not felt on a day-to-day -day basis. Snaps. <laughs> Kate, how about you? This is This is mostly for the people who haven't had kids yet, because I get this question a lot. How do you know when you're ready to have kids? And I've thought a lot about this. You're never ready because no one has ever had, no one who's having a child for the first time has ever had a kid before, unless somehow you were like 20 year old, years old and raising your own younger sibling, but then you didn't birth them, right? 
So, so in a, in a sense, you're never really ready. And I think our generation, especially, we just want control over every aspect of the process. Like I'm going to do this when I'm ready. Like, you know, we're very achievement oriented. So we want to get to a certain place before we move on to the next place. Right. And I, I think kids aren't having a kid, having a baby, whether you adopt or birth, they're not like that. They're not like little machines that you can just program or like, I'm at this level. Now I have unlocked this level of being ready to be a parent. I mean, there's some basic things like hopefully you're not an alcoholic or like a drug, you know, druggy or like, you know, I don't know. But 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 even then, you know, people who have been alcoholics and who have been uh, whether a drug dealer or have been on drugs have become really great parents, right? And so, I guess it's just to say that I think what's the most important thing is an awareness of your imperfection. You are not perfect, very far from perfect. You have a lot of problems. Great. So do we all, right? The whole life Becoming a parent is a process of becoming aware of these things, of having a willingness to address them head on, right? And having the humility to say, hey, yeah, I, I'm not very good at this, but I would like to improve. Because I, I think for me, I am so hard on myself as a person and as a parent as, uh, that I feel like, oh, I've just somehow irrevocably like, you know, ruined my child for life by doing X or like, I'm, I'm just not good enough. And it's so easy to veer into that territory, but honestly, becoming a person, becoming a parent is a, is a slow process of trying, failing, retrying, but you just have to be willing to try really. And again, being able to understand when you're, you know, you, you, you run into problems and addressing them. And so, yeah, you're never going to be ready, but who cares if you're not really ready? I don't think that's, what matters the most when you're thinking about becoming a parent. Yeah. I, I love how we're going to take each different angle here. The question I get a lot is, is it worth it? Ooh. Because like, it's like, oh my God, my freedom's being taken away. My identity is totally going to implode. Like, should I do it? And a girlfriend had asked me that over the weekend and she's very achievement oriented and doing great things in her career. And and she said, I just can see my life going both ways, like having a kid or not having a kid. And, and I was there. I was on the fence, too. And and I was totally OK with being kooky Auntie Susan for the rest of my life. And, and so I thought about it. We were driving around Seattle and I was like, I thought about it. And I was like, well, this is my answer for me. But yeah, it is worth it. Um, I said I've been doing a lot of healing work around my inner child and about me and my father and me and my mother by having a kid. You know, I do a lot of journaling and do the therapy stuff and all that. But having a kid has been really, it's been really big in terms of shifting my feelings around having compassion for my dad and and loving my inner child more. I would say that. And also like, honestly, like I'm, I, <laughs> when Marvin and I talk about our marriage, I'll be like, God, it's so boring <laughs> we do the same thing all the time and then I realize I actually get that newness and spontaneity that I crave so much through my son um he, he just turned three this past weekend and uh, we went to monster jam and I was like oh art come in this line like we 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 paid for the family fun time in advance we already paid the money so let's get the value you know and he, I was like I want you to get a mohawk and then he was just like no mom and I was trying to show him how cool it looked and he was like no mom and, and I was just like and he like spent like two hours just like in the sandbox like playing with these monster trucks I was like I paid 20 like essentially 60 dollars extra for us all to stand here while you get sand all over you and I was like I'm getting more value you know like but the point is is we went to the monster jam like it was totally crazy and it was just like it was a new experience I wouldn't have done if I didn't have a kid and it was totally fascinating to be there I got invested there was only two female drivers out of like 10 drivers and like I was just I would like scream for for certain people and I was like whoa like who am I and so I what I'm trying to say is like the newness that I crave in my life and the the healing work that I really enjoy doing that benefits me and and the life that I want to live in terms of like living a, a life of vulnerability and integrity like I get that through my son and I wouldn't have thought that pre pre-baby you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I just thought like, oh, my God, it's going to take a lot of time and money and it'll fundamentally change my life. And it's going to be a love I've never felt before. Great. You know, 
And it is a love you've never felt before. And it's even when he like crawls into bed and then he's like, his foot is like on my cheek and like, like swishing me in my face. And he's just like sleeping and spinning around in circles. I still look at him. I go, oh, he's so cute. Oh, my baby. You know, and it's like, it is fun. Like there are fun parts of parenting. And yes, it's exhausting. And is it worth it for me? Yeah. And could I have gone either way? Yeah. And do I, I mean, look, you can't return them. Okay. <laughs> but, but like, I, I am, I am happy. I'm, and yeah. maybe the word isn't happy. The word is content. Hmm. Yeah. I usually just think of it as the kind of transformational experience that marriage is or like a committed long-term relationship, but on steroids, like times 10. I mean, that was certainly the case for me. I just found out I had a lot of shit I was carrying around that I didn't even know about until I got in a serious relationship with Jake, right? And then and then it's like that times 10 when you have kids, you find out there's more. There's more. <laughs> there's more. There's more. more. And it's just a, this forcing mechanism that it's not a mechanism, but but it, but it does it makes you it makes life deeper right it makes your knowledge of yourself deeper and not to say you can't make your life deeper in other ways but it's definitely this is something that will have that effect almost guaranteed but ladies it was a pleasure yeah it was a pleasure I love I've loved having these conversations with you I think we'll have more even if we're not recording them and I think it was just like this really kind of special season, right? Where we could just capture some of the conversations that we needed to have. And I'm so glad that we got to share it together and also share it with our listeners. So I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. And what a beautiful time capsule, right? Like it's a point in time. It's all a point in time. And then our kids can listen to it. In 20 years. <laughs> do you do you see the extra labor I took on to raise you? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all she wrote. To our listeners out there, may you be well. May you take time for yourself. May you rest. Thanks, guys.